Hello, Millennium Live listeners. It's great to be back here for another episode of the Millennium Live podcast. I'm your host, Connor Tui, and we have a great episode today for you. We're going to be talking about the toolbox for digitalizing clinical workflows. We have a little panel style of a Millennium Live episode today. I am excited to introduce our guests. So I want to introduce first Kelly Feist. She's the managing director at ASCOM. She came from Phillips Healthcare and uh, where she has served as the head of customer service for North America. And prior to that, she was the region's first business leader for patient care monitoring solutions. And she helped transform the business model, focusing on software, hardware, and a growing business services offer. And she's uh, it's a, a great guest to have. So I'm so happy to have Kelly. Kelly, thanks for joining Millennium Live. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Great. And uh, our second guest, Robert Whitwer, he's the Senior Vice President of Professional Services. He's an active registered nurse, serves as uh, the Senior Vice President of Professional Services for ASCOM Americas. And he joined the company in July 2021, with a mission to define and scale the company's project management office and launch consulting practice. It's, uh, it's great to have you here, Robert. Thanks, Connor. I appreciate it. I, I welcome the opportunity. Of course. And we have our third guest, Michael Augusti. He's the head of market innovation North America. He has spent the last 25 years in various roles within healthcare, currently serving here as the head of market innovation at ASCOM, joining in 2020. Currently leading the product management and product marketing efforts to ensure the continuing state-of-the-art evolution of ASCOM's patient-centric solutions. And uh, he's a private pilot, which so is my brother, enjoys boating, so do I. I think we're going to get along great. Michael, Augusti, thank you for joining Millennium Live. It's it's great to have the three of you here. Hey, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Right. So, I mean, I, I would love to dive in to this. Uh, and um, I got questions for all three of you. And uh, I'm I'm very excited, as as I'm sure our audience is, to really explore and dive in to these digital tools and explore what perhaps the hospitals of the future may look like in healthcare as a whole. So I want to start with you, Kelly, uh, and and maybe pick your brain a little bit about perhaps the short term and long term factors that are right now shaping the hospital in the future. Well, thank you, Connor. Short to midterm, you know, it's uh, it goes without saying, you know, we're all in the process of recovering from a global pandemic, and it's something that none of us has ever had to do in our history. So there's a lot of learning that's going on as a result, and the challenges associated with this recur- recovery are varied and quite impactful. Um, and the most impactful is the combination of reduced financial reserves on the hospital side. Um, while also managing a very significant nursing shortage. Uh, those two things combined are, are what is driving a lot of the change that we're seeing in hospitals and a lot of the discussion that's going on in hospitals. And I'll give you a couple of examples, right? The pandemic brought to light 
that uh, how we use space within a hospital, within the facility could be much more efficient. And what we've always done is we've moved the patient from acuity, you know, acuity level to acuity level, not very patient centric, much more facility centric, right? Moving the patient around. And what we're, we're hearing and what I'm talking to a lot of our you know, customer constituents about is how can they use space more effectively to manage, um, you know, acuity in a much more adaptive way. So the patient stays in one place and maybe technology and nursing staff come to them. And what can the results of that be? Can it be a short of length, shorter length of stay? Uh, can it be, a, you know, a better outcome for that patient? Could it be higher satisfaction on both the patient side and, and on the side of the caregiver? And in order to do that, you know, technology has to be used in new and different ways. And sometimes perhaps new technology needs to be thought up. And then finally, you know, we've learned a lot, I would say a whole lot, about what drives the satisfaction and also the detractor to satisfaction for nursing staff. We've seen a lot of nurses leave the profession. A lot of those nurses that have left the profession have been, you know, later in their career. They're veteran nurses. They're highly experienced. And we're seeing new nurses caring for much sicker patients at a much higher you know, nurse or patient to nurse ratio. So solutions that fit into managing and, and supporting the workflows of nursing staff instead of changing workflows, I think are really going to be key to how we use technology as a force multiplier to make the nurses more efficient, to make them more satisfied, to give them the opportunity to practice at the top of their license. Um, and then also to make sure that you know, hospitals are able to address, you know, the patient outcome, the nursing satisfaction requirements that they have, um, and also the financial, you know, the financial health of the institution. So it's quite the balancing act. And that, that I think, is driving a lot of what we're seeing happening, you know, in, in not only technology adoption, but also practice change within the hospital. And then from a longer term perspective, you know, there's a whole conversation going on around hospital to home. How do we take care of patients that have a lower acuity level in their in, in the space where they're most comfortable, which is their home? And what technology is required to do that? What kind of reimbursement models are required to do that? And, and how do you drive that practice? So again, the outcome can be, you know, the, the desired outcome for the patient, the staff, and the financial health of the, the facility. Well, you mentioned a whole lot. Kelly, and I think technology, we're going to talk a lot about technology and just thank you for covering the basics. And Mike, I want to, I want to pick your brain a little bit about what the future really looks like and, and what that hospital, the future looks like. I know there's been a lot of talk about getting, moving care out of the hospital and, and into the home and leveraging technology, leveraging automation. So I want to hear from you, Mike. What, what, what do you think? And what what does the, uh, from your experience, the, the hospital of the future look like? Yeah, Connor, that's an interesting question. And in, in, in so much that uh, you ask five people, you're going to get five different answers, right? So everybody kind of has a different opinion because no one really has a crystal ball in this respect. But we can look at prior trends. We can look at investments where, you know, providers have made, such as in digitization of data, but that data is still very disparate, right? And I think the hospital of the future is gonna see a single pane of glass, if you will, in terms of patient data along their journey. So 
Kelly alluded to it, the journey from the home to the hospital, hospital back to home. So the hospital of the future, in my, my opinion, is going to take into consideration that journey, ensuring that everybody has the single pane of glass view to uh, the data. Specifically in the hospital, Kelly alluded to it, I think we're going to see more care come to the patient um, and less transition from different care areas within the hospital just because of the added benefits of that. So I think we'll see more acuity adaptable units like AAUs. Um, I think outside the hospital, again, we need to you know, treat patients the best that we can in the most comfortable environment for the patients. And that includes the home. So we're gonna see more types of remote patient monitoring capabilities. And, uh, and additionally, I think if uh, going back to the four walls of the hospital, we've gotta, we've gotta reduce that burden on clinical staff. There's still a good degree of administrative burden on these folks and we need to, we need to focus the staff, the clinical staff, um, providing and delivering quality care. So where we can bring virtual nursing to the table and leveraging non-clinical staff to help uh, enhance the patient experience while in their room, as well as facilitating the discharge process, if you will, so we can, we can have improved patient throughput as an example. So these are just some areas where I think the, the future is heading for uh, care. Thanks, Mike. And I think it's 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 pretty obvious now that uh, you know technology is going to be a key driver for all this, and and for hospitals, who you know healthcare might be some little ways behind in that regard. So I want to I want to talk technology. I want to talk how you know different types of solutions that ASCOM has to offer as well. And I want to I want to hear um, all three of your input, and I'll start with you, uh, Robert. You know, and, and really specifically how technology facilitates this future hospital and this future state. Yeah, absolutely. So, so one of the things technology has done for us, it's allowed us, it's allowed us access to unprecedented amounts of information about our patient. Um, unfortunately, that's also created a problem. You know, uh, a number of years ago, you know, back when I was starting my nursing career, you know, the, a lot of the information you had about a patient was because you were an experienced nurse and you were assessing things, you were you were figuring out and you were seeing subtle changes. Today, we've got just an overwhelming amount of objective information to the point that we can actually, with technology, if we're not careful, we can create a problem. So the technology that can facilitate where this future state that we're talking about really has to be technology that's focused on taking all of that information in helping create situational awareness for the caregivers it's it's just way too easy to simply deliver in bulk massive amounts of stuff and then just expect somebody to assimilate it in a timely fashion and do something about it and you create this cognitive load on on a caregiver that just can't be overcome in a timely fashion the key is a technology um, having a technology platform that's going to take the most relevant bits of data sort it correctly present it to the right person in such a way that that caregiver who's got so many other things that are going on can assimilate that information and can really go from a proactive type of care to a uh, to a rather rather go to a proactive care from a reactive care you know kind of a prime example of that you just think about a typical patient deterioration and say what would be a traditional medical surgical environment you reach a point in that 
deterioration cycle as things aren't going super well for that patient where even your your new nurse tech can walk into that room look at that patient and go uh oh something's wrong the trick is catching those things when they're really subtle when they're really really first starting to change and and filtering, you know, like like some of the systems Azcom uses, filtering that bit of information and presenting it just to the right caregiver in a non-dramatic, non-urgent way, so they can use their judgment, go in, look at that subtle shift that we've identified for them, and do something proactive to head off that ever getting to that point where anybody can look at the patient and know something's wrong. You know, that has huge benefits for the institution. You never get to that point where you're seeing unreimbursed length of stay getting longer. Um, you're not, you're, you're, you're able to head off those bad outcomes that can happen much, much quicker. Um, you know, the, you can also utilize technology. You know, I think Mike mentioned it, you know, you can take, it gives you the opportunity to have somebody in the background that's looking at this this information coming from multiple sources. It's able, you know, you can filter and get it to them, and you can have that experienced nurse that I talked about at the very beginning, who is sitting in the background helping those newer nurses. Because, like Kelly said, the nursing generation is changing over, and there's an unprecedented need for nurses, as well as an unprecedented number of experienced people that are leaving the profession. It gives an opportunity for those experienced people to leverage technology to be that extra set of experienced eyes for three, four, ten new nurses who really don't have that skill set yet. Yeah, I'll jump in. I, I, I completely agree with Robert, right? In a nutshell, uh, we have to be coming along our providers and helping our clinicians in the trenches, caring for patients. Again, helping them drive quality in 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 creating situational awareness, again, reducing their cognitive overload by looking all the, at all this disparate data, but being able to take that, aggregate it, and provide them the actual, the actionable insights they need to drive proactive care versus reactive care. And listen, we've got to understand the business metrics of our customers, i.e. the providers, and say, okay, how can we help you come along, come along how can we help come alongside you to reduce length of stay, drive patient throughput, bed utilization, if you will, reduce ICU bounce back, reduce emissions, et cetera, et cetera, so that we're just not coming in with a widget and saying, hey, we can improve this area. No, we want to help you improve that patient journey without sacrificing uh, quality of care. Yeah, and, and I'll add, you know, we're talking a lot about technology, and I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that technology is simply the enabler, right? It isn't technology for the sake of technology. And when we apply technology to solve a problem, we have to do it in a very thoughtful way to ensure that adoption happens, right? The technology doesn't succeed if it isn't adopted. And in order for it to be adopted, it has to fit into the existing workflow. It can't be distracting. It can't be disruptive. It has to be unobtrusive. And it really has to help each nurse manage their daily practice in a way that enhances the daily practice, becomes a force multiplier for them, and also provides what I like to call a clinical safety net for the nursing staff. When we have new nurses on the floor, is there something that we can, you know, can we use our technology to back them up? And Robert talked about it in terms of deterioration, and so did Michael. Um, and this is really, you know, using tools like clinical decision support and predictive analytics 
There's a lot of discussion out about AI right now, but I think if you ask five people what AI is, you'll get five different answers. But there's a simple way to approach this with understanding, you know, where the algorithms can can be applied, what the right parameters are, and then putting that into action, right? And it becomes predictive in its in its in its utilization. So I think you know, done well, technology can and should be the force multiplier for the nursing staff. But I think we always have to do it with the thought in mind of who is the end user, how are they going to adopt it, and how are they going to view that technology? And until we make that a standard part of our approach, you know, adoption becomes the the hurdle, if you will, um, to using the technology effectively. You know, and I think we as a as a as a healthcare delivery system, we look at the technology and we tend to overestimate the short-term impacts and completely underestimate the long-term impacts. And the long-term impacts are, you know, quite um, measurable. They have a real return on investment. And Mike alluded to some of that with decreased length of stays, preventing, you know, unplanned ICU admissions, preventing, you know, hospital-acquired infections. But it takes some. I'll say careful handholding to get to that point to make sure that the adoption occurs, that all of that information becomes actionable knowledge and not just, you know, an avalanche of data to Robert's point. Yeah, Kelly, Kelly brought up a great example with clinical decision support. You know, it's just a just a historical example from recent years. You know, I was I, I had the opportunity to to list see a bunch of data from somebody that was doing some some research with hospital clinical leaders. And it's amazing to me how many institutions in, in the US in particular had implemented some form of clinical decision support through their electronic medical record. You know, I, I understand that there's a there was a box to check for a while to be able to say we were doing something but you know honestly fairly poorly thought out you know a lot of latency built into those systems the objective wasn't so much to drive improvement as it was to say that you had done something and now having having done that done it in a poorly thought out way done it without consultative assistance to ensure that there was adoption and that the workflow actually matched what was needed for that caregiver to get the benefit of it at the point of care you have you have that same large swath of folks saying oh well we tried we tried that it doesn't work and kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater rather than doing what you should you know really scientifically do which is step back and go okay hold on we did something it didn't fail let's let's look at why did it not succeed and make some adjustments so that it can succeed those are some awesome points for all three of you thank you for your those contributions and it really does flow into the next the next question I have and, and and maybe we can bring up ASCOM and the awesome technology that's that's that is um, available for organizations and really I want to talk about this workflow technology and where it fits in I know there is all three of you alluded to what technology can do and you know increasing that standard of care that quality of care that efficiency that broader visibility so i, I want to open this up again to more examples and and perhaps what some some good points that you've seen on on your team as as far as what you know in ascom is doing and 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 some of the some of the customer and 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 case studies that perhaps you've seen out there 
Yeah, I'll, I'll step in here. I think that, so let's, let's talk about a couple of workflows, right? I think that's what you're basically asking is, where does our our technology specifically help in clinical workflows? Um, and if you look at, for example, ventilators, it's a prescribed need, and typically they're in a centralized location, the ventilators come to the patient. Now that ventilator is not typically not connected to anything. It's very local, again, connected to the patient, but disparate data, local alarms. So how do, we, how do we automate the process in terms of ensuring that we can consume that data from the bedside, get it into the EMR, but more importantly than that, provide alarm management around it so that if a nurse isn't necessarily nearby and some type of alarm is triggered on that vent, it's getting to their handheld device or it's getting to a central station. That's one example. Another example is you'll find in a lot of med surge environments, for example, that you might have continuous SpO2 monitoring for the first 24, 48 hours on a patient. Uh, that might even be going to a central station in and of itself, uh, and then maybe even into the medical record. And then on top of that, you have mobile spot vital sign devices that every Q4, Q8, you have spot check vitals being taken on a patient. Again, two separate disparate sources of data, whereas we can come together and ensure that both sets of data are coming to a single point. Any type of analytics around that data is being applied to give annual actionable insights, as we alluded to earlier, to the caregivers as, as necessary. And then, and then um, lastly, end title CO2, again, used as needed on an as-needed basis, maybe for a patient that's on a regimen of, of uh, pain meds and there's a risk for opioid uh, respiratory depression, if you will, opioid-induced respiratory depression. And now again, you have a single device serving a singular, a good singular purpose, clinical purpose for quality of care, but disparate. So ASCOM can come along those workflows, consume that type of data from a completely vendor agnostic perspective, bring that into a vendor agnostic central state, uh, central station and provide what I alluded to earlier in terms of a single pane of glass where everybody tied to caring for that patient has access to the same type of data, the same type of clinical analytics, and can ensure that the optimization, that qual you know, quality primary care is being driven to that patient during their, their length of stay. So that's one way that ASCOM can come along their providers, their customers, and ensure that we're applying technology to best care the care for the patient uh, as they're uh, as they're admitted. Yeah, Mike, I think that's a great example. You know, and if if we were going to succinctly, you know, cover what you just what you just outlined, it's clinical you know surveillance in areas where clinical surveillance typically does not occur, right? In a connected way, a general care area that may or may not have any continuous monitoring. And if they do, it's it's continuous pulse oximetry for the first 24 hours. An ED overflow area where you've got patients in gurneys lining the hallways and they may or may not have a continuous monitor attached to them, um, but there's no way to get that data into the EHR because in order you know, for you to register that monitor in the EHR, it needs patient room, it needs a location. There's no location when they're lining the hallway in an ED overflow area. We can step in and provide that surveillance there. Um, and I think there are other areas where where it makes a you know it makes a lot of sense 
for how we work with our customers. You know, we're co-creating, I think is the best way to call it, this concept of virtual nursing where, you know, we've got nurses that are later in their career, they're veteran nurses, they're highly experienced, but they don't want to be at the bedside any longer. So can we create, you know, a virtual environment for them, put them in a control room, they have access to screens, monitors, access to, you know, the, the information or what's happening in the patient room, and then they can support nurses that are new in their career, earlier in their career, with some clinical backup. So if a new nurse who's caring for, you know, seven, eight, nine patients that have a high acuity level in a general care, non-continuously monitored, you know, non-continuously monitored clinical area, if they've got a question, they've got some backup, they've got somebody who's also looking at the data and can maybe help them identify, you know, identify issues before or, you know, adverse events before they occur. So this concept of virtual nursing is kind of catching on. And we're we're working with a couple of our customers, as I said, co-creating. And the concepts vary, right? They they vary by customer, but there's a way to use the technology that we can we can bring to bear that ASCOM can bring to bear that will support you know different ways of approaching a virtual nursing environment to provide that support to to staff that are on the floor caring for the patients. I think those are pretty exciting. I'm very excited about that, and I think it can go a long way to becoming that force multiplier and driving to the the business metrics of the of the hospital that Mike alluded to, as well as the clinical outcomes for both the patient and then, you know, the the outcomes for the nursing staff too. You know, when we talk about quadruple aim, the, the fourth addition to quadruple aim was really staff satisfaction. And I don't think any of this happens and we, we will not be successful if we can't address making the nurses feel secure in their practice and also making them feel fulfilled in their practice. Yeah. And on the, you know, on the opposite side of the nursing cohort age spectrum, so to speak, those new <laughs> nurses are looking for this kind of stuff when they're making job decisions. Recently, ASCOM surveyed active nurses all over the U.S. And, you know, 88% of nurses when asked um, the question of is technology important in making that that decision of where you're going to work, 88% said, yeah, that's one of the things they're evaluating. You know, who's who's investing in things that are going to make my life easier and make me more successful in my nursing career? It's a big deal. You know, given the competence Petition for nursing resources between hospital institutions, that's a huge big deal. That's a great point, Robert. And, and thanks, uh, you know, it's Michael and Kelly, the, you bring up some amazing, amazing technology and, and what you can, what is possible out there is, is just fascinating. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure as our audience will, I'm, I'm really loving hearing everything, everything about this. And it could be overwhelming too, which brings me to my next, my next question. I think I want to ask you, Robert, and especially as a nurse, you know, the biggest barrier really to adopting uh, clinical workflow technologies. I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure there's multiple factors with when new technology comes in, how do you integrate that? Right. And, and perhaps training and, and providing services that can at least train staff on, on how to use the technology and how to make the most of it and take advantage of it. So what have you seen out there, Robert? 
So kind of two different two different things that that dovetail really closely together. First off, staff like like all humans, nursing staff are resistant to change. You know, you've you've gotten into your groove, you've figured out your workarounds, you you know what you're doing. So we have to think about that from not just not just when we're implementing, but even when we're designing the product. You know, how can how can we make the cost because there is a there is a human cost to having to change? How can we make the benefit of that change? so much better and one of the ways that i think is most important which is the second piece of that you know overcoming resistance to change is making sure this stuff integrates and it integrates well and it integrates right you know if my patient monitor in the icu is feeding my information to the chart and all i'm having and, I, and i've got a great layout and all i'm having to do to see that information and and, and accept it if if we make that easy for me that that's great but what if, like Mike mentioned, ventilators, if my ventilator is still a manual process where I'm having to log in and enter a bunch of stuff because it's not integrated, that's a problem. And, you know, there's, there's kind of two different business approaches from companies to how, how they manage that. You know, you've got the, I want to be the big gorilla in the room and I want you to be buying my branded piece of equipment for all of these things you do. And then I'll, I'll let them integrate. And then you have the ASCOM approach, which is we'll be an enabler to wherever you spent your money on your best in class piece of equipment. Even if it's something we make, and you're using our competitor's product, we're going to make those things work together and we're gonna integrate them so that for that caregiver, we can make that change processes as painless as possible. Talking about integration, and Kelly alluded to this at the, uh, the beginning of the podcast about long-term and short-term goals. Mike, what's the number one thing around workflow technology that hospitals can do today uh, in order to see immediate returns and to see immediate results. So as I alluded to at the beginning of the call, there's a lot of investment made in, in digitizing data. Uh, and that's a great first step needs to be done, but I don't think a lot of providers have seen the ROI on that, that they've, that they would have liked to. I think the next, the next evolution of that, the number one thing that can be done is start looking at all the sources that they've digitized, digitized, if you will, and start thinking about consolidating or collapsing. And what I mean by that is you have a vendor for uh, alarm management, you have a vendor for bedside medical device integration, you have a vendor for clinical analytics, you have a vendor for phone mobility to drive clinical applications, phones to drive clinical applications and start thinking about, okay, I need to transition all of this into a single end-to-end -end connected care clinical solution, right? So how can I collapse that? Are there, is there a single vendor out there, if you will, that can do all that first and foremost um, and, and have all the necessary interoperability arrangements and so forth to, again, accomplish the ability to consume all that data, alarm manage around it, clinical, wrap clinical analytics around it, provide visualization to central stations or handsets, get data into the EMR, rather than working to, for five, with five vendors to do that, is there a vendor or two that I can work with to accomplish that? So I think that's where at least I see the market heading and where providers are gonna start looking to say, hey, 
I need, I need to, I need some vendor consolidation uh, to occur here in order for me to start realizing the investments that I've made in terms of, you know, digitizing this data. Uh, I now need to move this, this, this disparate sources of information into one integrated end-to-end -end clinical care solution, which ASCON can certainly help, uh, help uh, you do. Yeah, and Mike, and I think the very next step to that is what do you do with all of that information when you have it? How how do you parse it? How do you analyze it? How do you determine what is actionable and important, right? And and send that out to the the endpoint, the last mile, which is which is the nurse at the bedside, right? How do you get that very specific piece of actionable information in the sea of information that they have out to them in a timely fashion so that they can act on it? And I think that's that's probably the hardest part. Lots of people can talk about, I can take the data and I can aggregate it, but very few can actually create the pathways and, and the, the possibilities of getting the actionable, filter out the noise, get the actionable information to the person who needs it when they need it so that they can act on it for the benefit of the patient and for the benefit of you know, the, the business, the business metrics of the hospital. And I think that's where ASCOM really shines is being able to take it to that last mile and get the actionable information where it needs to be so that, so that action can take place. Right. And I think that's, uh, that's a really important piece of this and not very many, I, I don't see, uh, you know, when, when we talk about where hospitals are in their digital transformation, that endpoint is always the hardest point to get to. And I think that's where ASCOM really shines. Well, I, that's a, a great segue, Kelly, uh, into my next question is really it's important to to really understand where, you know, this this is the journey, the digital transformation journey that that hospitals, health system, clinicians alike. They, you know, we've been talking digital transformation for a while now. I feel like even at our Millennium Alliance assemblies, we've been talking about digital transformation and and when you heard telehealth on the stage everybody went oh and here we are talking about some of these workflow technologies and we understand that this is a journey of digital transformation there's a lot of great initiatives a lot of great things we're seeing out there especially when it comes to being able to do video consultations and you know use utilizing apps but you know, I think I, I think we all alluded to this earlier, but that healthcare is really kind of far behind in terms of their transformation. And so I want to I want to kind of pick your brains a little bit about where where you see this, you know, the progress and where we are now and perhaps where we'll be going in the future. So, I, I mean, a great open ended question of digital transformation. Where are hospitals at now? Uh, Michael, I'll start with you. Yeah, no, I think that um, while you you could characterize healthcare being behind, but you know this is a this is a journey, in my opinion, without a destination. It, it because technology is always evolving and advancing, patient care needs are are forever changing, if you will. The the challenge on the journey is there's a lot of legacy applications out there, still out there, that hospital systems very much rely on and. You just can't flip a switch and transfer those applications 
uh, to the latest and greatest platforms. It's it's a it's a it's it's an effort that that involves taking in consideration privacy, security, and so forth as you make those changes. So again, I, I think we need to keep in mind that while we, from a healthcare environment, are uh, are are making great strides on the digitalization front, um, it is it is a journey, and it's gonna you know take some time in terms of transitioning legacy applications and then you know having more uh, integrated and coordinated care around data as you as you optimize it i would throw in that one of the things that i think is really important just keying off what mike just said is it's not it's not a moment in time you know and and you're really never going to be done you know you're you're it's it's kind of back to that continual improvement mindset you know you need to as an institution healthcare needs to be looking constantly at how can we get better how can we have in every area of what we're doing for patients that little incremental improvement and that's an that's an effort that requires that requires a commitment to i'm going to be reevaluating what i'm doing all the time one one after another and we're going to be making adjustments to get better and better and better at what we do and never lose sight of what's the purpose of what we're doing which is you know better patient outcomes better workflows for clinicians who are you know actually producing those patient outcomes and ultimately doing that in a financially sustainable way so that the institution is is making great decisions so that they're here five years, 10 years, 15 years, and, and they're healthy and continuing to serve the communities that we serve. Yeah. Yeah, I'll add to it also, you know, it is it is a journey. It is always evolving to both Mike and Robert's point. Um, and that can seem overwhelming, right? If you, you begin a process and you don't know where the end point is, it can be overwhelming. And I, I think that's where you know companies like ASCOM can come in. We see a lot across the industry of how people are applying technology, what kind of workflows that they're developing, how they're using technology to enhance workflows, how they're making their nurses um, more efficient where they, they succeed in adoption and, and even where they fail in adoption of technology. You know, so I, I think companies like ASCOM can really help, you, you know, create the roadmap, if you will. So along your journey, you've got some guide posts. You know, we know we've hit a milestone when we get to this point and maybe it's, you know, utilization of alarm and alert management in an effective way across the organization. And then we know that we've also been successful when we get to our next milestone, which maybe is clinical surveillance in non-continuously monitored areas like general care areas or ED overflow areas. So we can help build, you know, the steps along the way so that success can be measured as you go. And I think that's incredibly important because, you know, we talked a lot about you know, how do we manage the clinical outcome? How do we manage the satisfaction of the nursing staff? And we've also touched on how do we help the hospitals meet their financial goals, right? And how do you measure a return on investment for what you've invested in from a technology point of view? And I think it's very important that, you know, these milestones or guideposts are set up along the way. And that's something that I think ASCOM can also really be helpful with because we see it across a very broad spectrum of the industry in, in how different facilities of all types, could be a community hospital, it could be a large 
tertiary care facility that's part of an IDN, how they're looking at utilizing the technology to their best advantage. So I think that's also, you know, I think it's important that that we have that expertise that we can bring bring to bear also. Yeah, well said. I mean, this has been a great, a really great conversation. Uh, we've we've talked a lot. We've talked about the hospital of the future. We've talked about technology and adoption and this journey that we're on. We're talking about the awesome technology that, as you mentioned, Kelly, that ASCOM can be a, a roadmap, a, a, a helpful guide to, um, to really ensuring that the hospital of the future can become a reality uh, despite the barriers and um, perhaps some resistance that we're seeing out there. And it's just fascinating to hear all the contributions that three of you are making uh, in the industry. And I'm, I'm so happy to, to have talked with you. So I, I want to, Kelly, you kicked us off. I, I want to, I want to make proud to end with you and, and taking all the great work and all the wonderful things we've been talking about, you know, what will have to change uh, in, in the way we're doing things now to really allow this hospital of the future to become a reality? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. You know, we talked a lot about, you know, what the hospitals can do, how nursing can adopt technology. But what we haven't talked about at all is, you know, what has to change from a, a regulatory and a reimbursement perspective. There's been a lot of discussion, you know, of moving from a fee for service type of healthcare delivery system to something that is much more value, you know, value based. Um, and there are a lot of different schools of thought on how to make that happen. And we haven't gotten there yet. But in order for it to happen, you know, the utilization of technology for telemedicine, for virtual nursing, even for virtual ICU really needs to be considered when, you know, when our legislators and, and our, you know, our uh, policymakers are thinking about what gets reimbursed, how it gets reimbursed. And, and who gets reimbursed, right? So I think until the reimbursement models catch up, it's gonna be a slow journey to get to things like virtual care, telemedicine in a consistent way, and even hospital, you know, hospital at home. So I think that's probably the, the biggest thing that needs to change to accelerate the, the evolution is how, how, do we, how do we manage reimbursement in a way that takes takes these changes of, you know, this is a change in practice, right? You know, that that takes the the change in practice into account and can quantify the benefits of it. What a way to end it. It's it's great. I can't I'm looking forward to the future in healthcare and it's and it's companies like ASCOM and and the great work by the three of you, Kelly, Robert, and Mike. It's it's awesome to hear from you. It's great to have you on the Millennium Live podcast. And uh, I hope we can reconnect and a little bit later this year, maybe next year, to just talk over some of the some maybe some of the progress that we're seeing. And it's um it's great. I want to thank Kelly Feist, Robert Whitwer, and Michael Augusti. Thank you so much for joining the podcast and for talking about ASCOM and its vision to really close that digital information gap and and produce the best possible outcomes in healthcare. Thank you guys. Connor, thank Thanks, you for Connor. having us.